Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome, welcome to the program. It be uh, the 11th of December, Tuesday, and that uh, means Susan is joining us. Hi, Suze. Yeah, what a surprise. What? <laughs> that you're t- Nothing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, and I thank you for your, uh, heavy lifting last week. I, I feel a little more, you're welcome. I feel a little more Uh, capable. I'm feel a little more capable this, uh, this week. I don't know why, but I, but I do. So, uh, why don't you, don't you think it's because things are finally, I mean, uh, hopefully the Trumpian thing is beginning to disintegrate. It seems that way, but, you know... We don't know how it's going to disintegrate, so that's fairly scary. But no, it is, it's, it's amusing to watch no one wanting to work for him. <laughs> well, that's true. That is definitely a sign that a extremely ambitious young man, given um, a job that usually is resume-making, right, uh, says no. And even knowing the president fully expected him to uh, to take it, so uh, yeah, I right. mean that's a calculation he's made. That geez, I it'll destroy well, my career. Well, I mean, career. but how hard is it to make that calculation? Nobody leaves that job. Everybody um, leaves the job first of all, and nobody leaves it unsullied. No. And 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 you know whether and even if even if you manage to squeak by with your reputation intact, I can't imagine how yeah. Trump would be screaming at you all the way out the door. You know, right. so I mean, who would who would take it? Someone will. You have to be nuts. Okay. Kellyanne Conway. I'm putting my money on Kellyanne Conway. Is that what they're saying or, now? Is that what? Or 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 the or the obnoxious uh, about to be ex attorney general, acting attorney general. Oh, yeah, except he has no skills at all, except fraud. Well, but no but, skills are required. Oh, that's it, true. It, you're, you're not allowed to do anything in that job, <laughs> except, you know, take crap. Oh, man. It's going to get ugly. That's and why at least I'm not, if, no, if, it's that, just, if that Mac guy took it, he already doesn't have a reputation, so he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's sort of you know in a very dark way amusing, uh, but not because this is a guy because it's our country yeah, and this is a guy who will take us down with him. That's what's oh in, yeah yeah. So uh, you know we can be happy seeing that clearly Mueller's been doing his work. And all these side, you know, the 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 woman uh, spy who's gonna uh, plead uh, guilty today to something. Guilty, yeah. That's a side thing, but that who knows if she's pleading guilty, if she's agreeing to cooperate, um, then that means that she's got some information, uh, definitely, on Russian uh, activities uh, with the Trump campaign, and. You know, this might take the NRA down too, which is a wonderful. Uh, yeah, I know. I that part damage. I'm just totally enjoying that they were all in cahoots together. Right, right. So, I I mean, it's just it's not, you know, it's just this bunch of horrible entities and people and groups, and you see they're all come together. Uh and let's hope they all go down together. But that would include yeah, d- that would include the entire Republican Party. Well, yeah, uh, goes without saying. Yeah. Um, it, did you uh, happen to catch wind of the thing of the corporate uh, support for yes, uh, the yes. legislatures yes. about in yes. Wisconsin and yes, stuff, yes. like Walgreens? Yes, yeah. mostly Walgreens. I know um, uh, people are saying that uh, you know certain. Uh, entities in corporate America have been uh, feeding uh, money to these Republicans in in Wisconsin, and and in in uh, a quid pro quo kind of thing, in that they get these tax breaks from tax them. Tax breaks, yeah. right? 
um, and which costs, of course. I mean, Walgreens is the biggie. Uh, and I know Robert Reich, the former uh, labor secretary, is tweeting for everybody to um, boycott move Walgreens. Their, yeah, do not Do not shop at Walgreens. These are, it's like giving money to the bad guys. They are, um, so the Wisconsin legislature or somebody allowed allowed Walgreens to uh, significantly uh, lower the value of their properties uh, in terms of property taxes paid and allowed them to um, take the kind of value that, that could be found in the nearest empty store in their vicinity. Do you believe that? Well, sure I believe well, it. I, and consequently, <laughs> rather than paying, you know, who knows what to whatever locality they're in, this is a case that I guess came uh, out of Madison where Walgreens there was, was doing this stuff, and, and the, the Republicans in Wisconsin t took care of it uh, so that the taxpayers in Wisconsin end up making up the difference in what Walgreens right. should be paying. Now, this is not, that is one little tiny story that could be repeated with a million different uh, corporate entities, right, in, in a million different right. cities, right? Because if that, if that, if that, if I mean, and they they aren't passing special legislation. That that is general. That's a general clause in the tax law for corporations, that the value of your property, you know, shall be the you know based on the value of empty property in that area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not just Walgreens that gets to take it once they put it in there. Yeah. It's yeah, you know, and people think they're voting for lower taxes. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, you know, um you have to rethink uh the wisdom of relying on an average person to choose uh where their vote goes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know this sounds very anti-democratic. But um, in the North Carolina situation, where they've been interviewing people whose uh, whose ballots were, you know, taken um, and thrown out, and then yeah. thrown out, or where they hadn't even been filled out, and they say to the person, "But I haven't even filled it out. Don't worry, we'll fill it out." You know, I mean, stuff right. like that, and that people credulously hand, it over the ballot. hand over the ballot. Or one guy I saw interviewed said. Um, they wanted to know, or I, maybe the reporter said, who did you vote for, if I may ask? Did you vote for this one or that one? He said, well, I can't remember. And who, you know, and I'm, I mean, people vote uh, often in ignorance. I must say I've done I've done it myself when it comes to, you know, down ballot judges races and judges where I'm just I might as well be playing, you know, uh, darts. I and and I I don't know. I don't know. Think, you know, multiply that by millions of people. Oh, I don't know who I voted for. And then you expect them to understand nuances of, you know, somebody says to them, I'll lower your taxes. <laughs> um, and not realizing that, in fact, in all likelihood, their quality of life will go uh, careening downward and um, they won't have anything to pay taxes on. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. So uh, I don't know either. The, uh, I don't. I don't know how you can be living in this country. And well, I do know how you can be living in this country and totally unconcerned about all this crap. You know, it might just be that you're so concerned with getting up in the morning and finding something to eat right. or making it warm yeah. that this is the farthest thing in the world from anything that you're worried about and doesn't seem to have any import at all. However, I've also bumped into people who are not in those kinds of dire straits, who simply don't pay any attention. 
Oh yeah, I've I've actually talked to people that say, yeah. "Oh no, yeah, I, don't I don't do po- I don't do no. that." And I go, "What do you mean you don't do that? Are you a citizen of this country? What do you mean you don't do that?" But see, Susan, that's something I think you have to be taught. Like we were taught that was a value we learned from our parents. It's just like uh, Bill and I were uh, talking about. You know, some people some people don't learn basic things like how to shake a hand. You know, from these are things parents teach. But a lot of people have parents that don't teach values, that don't teach, you know, life skills. I, I got it. I I totally agree with you, and I'm just going to give you an example. This is totally sort of off subject, but is so amazing you can't believe it. Two days ago, my daughter, or a week ago, my daughter-in-law found a man wandering in their backyard in the city, which uh, you have to go through a, you know, a, yeah. a, a, you know, locked gate. To get, I mean, she couldn't even figure out how he got yeah, back yeah. there. And yeah. she goes out, you know, on her back deck and yells down, can, can I help you? What are you doing? What are you doing back there? He said, I'm trying to deliver a package. She says, well, why don't you come to the front door? What's the address? And he gives, and he looks at her like she's crazy. And she says, come to the front door, get out of the yard, come to the front door. So she goes down and talks to him. He doesn't, this guy is trying to deliver packages. He's a UPS guy trying to deliver packages based on GPS. And she goes, you have to look at the address, sir. See, those numbers go up there. She taught this guy how to read addresses. Come on! How and do you get a job at honest, UPS and not? Uh, don't ask me. This is this is a true story because she she told me in total disbelief. God. So some people aren't taught a lot of stuff. But that's a young person who only knows GPS and doesn't know that there's even num. I mean, wouldn't be able to find their way okay, out of a paper bag. Okay, you're figuring out why this happens, right? But this is ridiculous. This is what technology has gotten us. We're so stupid, we don't know. How, I don't know. Anyway, um, well, here, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, the other day about um, employers literally having to teach uh, younger hires how to shake hands. Here's a guy uh, who works at Certified Retail Solutions. And he says he doesn't mind teaching his workers on the job. Uh, he says, "You quote, you have to teach them how to look someone in the eye and how to shake hands. In fact, Bank of America has developed a national training program to help its employees learn empathy, to be able to read other people's feelings, how they're, they're having a bad day, how you might uh, approach them better. And this is a direct result of technology, of younger people not having a lot of skill in face-to-face, right? Communication. Right. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Or not. Here, there's some more. Here, listen to this. <laughs> I still don't understand parents. I don't care Uh-oh. how much uh, your child, when not you know around you, might be you know only interacting via device. Still, there should be some parental responsibility. Uh, you know, like when you go out to dinner, basic manners. You know that that uh, a parent just. just takes responsibility for. Well, I think I mean, they didn't it. learn how to shake a hand at school. Well, I think some of these parents are too busy uh, piloting the helicopters they're hovering uh, over their child with. Um, here, let me shake that hand for you. Yeah, yeah maybe. Right, right here, let me shake that <laughs> hand for you. <laughs> it might be dark. It might have germs, darling. Let me take care of this for you. Oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. I'm laughing so I won't cry. Here it is, Wall Street Journal. Um, and, and this is because, because of technology, too. Jobs that require high levels of social interaction are actually growing because that's something robots can't do yet. 
right? So jobs that humans can actually do requiring high levels of social interaction have actually grown 12 percentage points since 1980 as a share of the labor force. And this is why less social, math-intensive jobs have declined during that same period because computers can do it. Robots can do it. So work, broadly speaking, has shifted toward an emphasis on things that we cannot do with technology. Humans are going to get the leftovers, okay? Anything that technology can't do, and that will have to do with social interaction at the very time that the same technology is robbing uh, young humans of the skills of human interaction. Did that make sense? Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's the only, well, of course, scarcity also always drives, you know, skills. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So anyway, this thing back to Walgreens, um, uh, this is uh, a story that was uh, broken by uh, David Leonhardt, I think, in the New York Times. And uh, he says uh, Walgreens has not said a word about this when questioned. Neither have other corporate sponsors of the Republicans in Wisconsin specifically like, here they are, if you want to boycott Microsoft, <laughs> Dr. Pepper, Snapple, J.P. Morgan Chase, Humana. And he says, you know, corporate corporations used to play a leadership role in American, in the social fabric of America. They did. They, yeah, had, they, had, they took ethical stances for the good of the country. Right. And ah. that's simply not happening. So he goes into the the Walgreens loophole that was created for um for them to so they could avoid uh, taxes and a few weeks after that loophole was passed by the legislature, Walgreens donated money to the uh speaker of the Republican speaker of the house and then over the summer donated uh more to the committee to elect a Republican Senate then they gave money to the Senate majority leader all of these are Republicans they did not donate at to any democrats at the state level um so and the message uh, that Walgreens is sending to politicians, as other corporations are, is we don't care if you undermine democracy and steal people's votes so long as we get to keep our tax breaks. So that's what corporate America is all about these days. Right, right. Uh, so I uh, just want you to know... Um, this is, you know, when corporations and the government pal around like that, that that's, another, that's another aspect of fascism, by the way. When they say, here are the warning signs that you're entering into a fascistic uh, uh, um, situation, it's when the, the public and private uh, power um, centers uh, are in cahoots for their own gain and the people screw them lose yeah yeah but they manipulate the people they they manipulate well you know and here's part of the problem as you just pointed out about three minutes ago the people are more and more and more dispensable anyway yeah but not if you have a democracy they are in the corporate world right but for a governmental system like ours to work the people are clearly the only thing that's going to save us. You've got to well, have... Well, that's right. That, but right now we have 40% of the people that the president's staff says will believe anything Trump tells them. Well, so now you, have, now you even have them 
you know, just clearly saying, yeah, we just lie to these folks. We feed them whatever we want. They'll believe whatever we tell them. We're not worried about it. It's right out there published for them to read, and they still believe it all. Yeah. Did you see the uh, letter that a bunch of former U.S. senators? Yeah, Danforth was one of them. I, um, I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether that's all the Republicans that signed it because they're the only ones that are still living that remember that. No, or I, uh, no, or whether there's really only you know like what ten, eight Republicans. No, I don't even that think they were that. that way I don't even Senate. think they are that many. We're talking about a, a letter signed by. Republican and Democratic former senators, which was uh, published, was it published in the Times? In the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah I think the Times. No, no, oh, it's in the Washington Post. I've got it here. Okay. Uh, it was signed by 44 former U.S. senators. And not surprisingly, the vast majority are Democrats, but there is some bipartisanship here. And I'll just read the littlest bit of it. As former members of the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, it is our shared view that we are entering a dangerous period. And we feel an obligation to speak up about serious challenges to the rule of law, the Constitution, our governing institutions, and our national security. And then they flat out go into the fact that Mueller's investigation uh, is nearing its end. And um, they are obviously concerned that this president and his enablers and the Republican Senate is going to take the country down, destroy yep. institutions in it. And that any Republicans sign this is is amazing. Yeah, it's ten. Ten Republicans, two independents, being Lieberman and Weicker, and the rest were Democrats. So. Okay. So they say it is a time like other critical junctures in this nation's history when we must engage at every level with strategic precision and the hand of both the President and the Senate. We are at an inflection point in which the foundational principles of our democracy are at stake and the rule of law and the ability of our institutions to function freely and independently must be held, upheld. So, um, okay, there, there's, um, so these are senators because they fear this Republican Senate. They fear it will not act in the best interests of the country. And wow, does that say something. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it does. Yeah, I'll just, I, let me just read the last few sentences. At other critical moments in our history, when constitutional crises have threatened our foundations, it has been the Senate that has stood in defense of our democracy. Regardless of party affiliation, ideological leanings, or geography, as former members of this great body, we urge current and future senators to be steadfast and zealous guardians of our democracy by ensuring that partisanship or self-interest not replace national interest. And... Um, as we said, let me read who the Republicans are who signed it. Uh, ben Nighthorse Campbell, he uh, was a Native American senator from Colorado. Uh, William Cohen, who was Republican from Maine, but who served as defense secretary for, I'm thinking, Clinton. Um, this one surprised me. Alphonse D'Amato. Yeah. Republican senator of New York, who is a was a real conservative, uh, so that one surprised me. Well, but you just said it. He's a real okay conservative. Okay, John Danforth was Susan's former uh, senator from Missouri. Um, and an Episcopalian. Dave, uh, David. 
Oh, an Episcopalian bishop. David David Durenberger, Republican of Minnesota. Chuck Hagel, Republican of Nebraska. See, but he, too, has a history of bipartisanship. I mean, he served in... um, he served in Obama's cabinet. Chuck Hagel did. He was the Secretary mm-hmm. of Defense, I believe, yep. for a bit. Um, I don't know. Where's another one? Uh, Richard Luger of uh, Indiana, who was a, a really classic Republican conservative and an honorable man. Uh, Larry Pressler of South Dakota, Republican, and uh, Alan Simpson, who spoke at uh, H.W.'s funeral, Republican of Wyoming, signed it. And then the two independents, uh, Susan mentioned Lowell Weicker of Connecticut, who had been a Republican, and um, Lieberman, uh, and who had Lieberman, been a Democrat. Who had been a Democrat. So, you know, do you think Mitch McConnell or any of these other Republican senators will even have a moment? Of, surely, I don't think they give a rat's ass. Surely, Susan, some of them must be reachable. And I'll tell you, you well, know, I, you, you know, know when for two years you've been saying, I know. surely we've, but, but no, they aren't. Yeah, but here's what, here's when they're getting reachable. If they see Trump going down, that's when they'll abandon him. They will turn on him as soon as the, it's, all, it's clear they won't suffer as much or something. I mean, in other words, they will show no leadership. They will show none. But... As soon as they, they will start peeling off, and they'll peel off totally out of self-interest. Not wanting, like rats jumping, you know, jumping off the sinking ship. Don't you think? That's how they'll, that's how they're going to, and they'll, yeah, uh, I don't know. And I would, I mean, I would think that we're nearing that point. I hope we're nearing that point. I mean, I I think that... uh, uh, we're going to they're going to begin to tie up loose ends. They can't pardon them. They can't even pardon themselves out of state charges for New York. So, you know, I think things are going to start. People are going to start going to jail. People are going to start getting scared. There might be some charges. You know, they're now looking at the corporate at the family business. <clears throat> and we all know there's plenty to find there. Oh, God, it's a. No, it's a it's a criminal <laughs> so, enterprise. So you know he might go down like Al Capone on tax yeah, charges, yeah, and, you know, and he right. can't pardon himself out of the federal. No, again, can't. But because he can get pardoned for that, but the state can put him away forever. Right, and I agree that this guy is likely going from the White House to the Big House. He belongs in jail. He's going to end up in jail. But then we're going to have to deal with the thirty-five percent um, of his acolytes. Who will see this as a? I don't know what. Well, they're all armed and ready to, you know, revolt. So, um, I don't know why people didn't see this coming. By the way, what else was the NRA doing? I. Um. Barbara writes. Um, I think when I was talking about these voters who don't know anything. And she says, since you obviously do not know the people of whom you speak, have you read, for instance, books such as Hillbilly Elegy? Um, you know, I I do know some people like this, right? I interact with them in that they might work for me in, um, you know, in my home. Um Coming out of um, Wisconsin, a lot of people that I went to school with were, you know, not wealthy people. They were, I feel like I sort of know these people. Um, So I don't, I'm not as much a bubbled uh, 
you know, elitist. No, I don't. No, I don't. I I mean, we certainly we certainly could be bubbled, but we haven't been in our lives. We grew up in a working class community among working class people. Went to a working uh, class high school. Very few of our very few of when I graduated, the vast majority of the class did not go to college. It was no, I think it was. Some, I think the number was something like only ten percent of our it classes went. There was no went to college. Yeah, I mean it was, and, um, and those were. Pe- and I was one of three kids that went out of state. Yeah. So I think we and know. And that's a class of about what five or six hundred. Yeah, we. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. they were our friends. We. Uh, knew their parents, they worked, a lot of them, in blue-collar jobs. Although, let us be honest, we tended, you know, that self-segregation happens even in that situation where, um, I mean, I'm really trying to go through my friends, and uh, most most came from middle-class, I would say, families. But these you know, working class white people, because they're that's what they were. Yeah, I mean, working you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my friends too. Some, some were the bosses, but plenty of them were the workers, workers uh, yeah. bakers, and uh, and salespeople, and right. you, know, you know. So I mean, I they're not that mysterious to me. These people, I've known them. I still know them. Um, But any kind of generalization, as I'm always squawking, is is lazy thinking, you know. So to talk about this whole bunch of people, um, to talk about, you know, coastal elitists as if they're all the same, to talk, it, to me it's the same kind of crapola as, you know, I go nuts with, you know, generational branding and, and uh, horoscopes. Oh, right, that, and, right. Like the, blaming everything on the what is it, the millennials that we're blaming for everything. I was listening to a very interesting uh, talk on uh, probably NPR yesterday about that, about how they, the millennials got blamed for everything when it was really just market forces. You know, they didn't kill grocery stores. They didn't kill the housing market. They didn't. They can't afford to buy anything. They're living in an economy that keeps them from buying homes. They go to the grocery store. It's the senior citizens that go out to dinner every night. You know, it's, it's, it's those damn baby I mean, boomers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I it, it's always lazy uh, thinking. Always lazy thinking. Um. But anyway, Albert, she shares a few things from a review from Amazon on this book. Uh, this is a story that many of the upwardly mobile middle class in the coastal areas, often so quick to judge the lifestyles and politics of those people in middle America, has no clue about. I speak from experience as someone that, oh, that grew up in the heartland but has spent years in often elite circles on either coast. Okay, well, that would apply to Susan and me. Too. Grew up right amongst the Heartland people. That is our. That's where we come from, and then ended up in a in a, in the elite, I guess. Um, and it says here two things struck me most about this book. First, the unflinching yet not judgmental portrayal of the circumstances and of the people involved. It's difficult to write on this subject without either glossing over the ugliness and making warm and fuzzy appeals to idealism and human nature, Hollywood style, or without, on the other hand, descending into attempts at political persuasion and calls to activism. This book manages to paint the picture in deeply moving ways without committing either sin. And second, the author's growing realization fully present by the end of the book that while individuals do not have total control over the shape of their lives, their choices do in fact matter. That even if one can't direct one's life like a film, one does always have the at, at least the input into life that comes from being free to make choices. Yeah, every day and in every situation. Um, but, yeah. uh, I don't know that I even agree with that. There's a whole bunch of people out there that don't have any choices. It seems that way. 
they're in such I mean, dire choice, straits. Having a choice is, you know, be- begins to be a high-class problem in this country. Mm-hmm. Man. We're talking about people that don't have choices. <sighs> don't, can't decide that, oh, I'll take this job or that job, or I'll live here or there. They, they just want a job so that they can live somewhere and eat. That's not a choice. Right. Here's some good news. Go uh, for it. Well, and it talks about, like, I mean, this story is about what humans are capable of. And um, I don't know. It, this has to do with uh, space. I mean, like, outer. Uh, the Voyager 2 spacecraft has entered interstellar space, according to NASA. Uh, That means, I mean, this is just mind-blowing. It is the second human-made machine to cross a, a boundary that essentially divides our solar system from the rest of the Milky Way galaxy. And the other machine is Voyager 1, which is still out there. I know. Um, I get vertigo trying to think about this. No, literally. I know. Well, who do, who doesn't? These were they were launched in 1977. They they were put on different paths, uh, and they're there to tour all these giant planets, and they are both still operational. They are both still. They uh, Voyager two now is more than okay. Watch your vertigo here, Susan. Voyager 2 is now more than 11 billion miles from Earth. Um, it is. Tra- yeah, I mean, really, it's it's. I I guess it's a testament to my imagination, but I get dizzy. I know. <laughs> it is traveling at 34,000 miles per hour, and uh, the scientists in it say that uh, that are behind it say. Listen to this. Here's more vertigo. In about 300 years, these things will still be moving, and they will enter the Oort, O-O-R-T, cloud, a distant reservoir of comets that orbit the sun, and it will then take about 30,000 years for the two spacecraft to come out the far side of that Oort cloud. Jesus. You feel puny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inconsequential. I feel disappeared. <laughs> That's why when I was a kid and Mom was always looking up at the sky, look, look, I couldn't bear it because it made me, I felt like I disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was so huge. We have a call. Mm-hmm. Hello, caller. Uh, you knew it was me. No, yep. you know I'm what? <laughs> I'm getting, you know, you're starting to annoy me, Clarence. <laughs> well, well, I was calling about something else, but you went, you, you went, you went into space. I did. Um, <laughs> the, um, the way I don't get dizzy, thinking about the yeah. big numbers, yeah. is I heard like a little tidbit one time. They said if the day, if the day you're born, you can count one, you know, a second equals one by the time you get to a billion if you never went to sleep it was just going one two three four by the time you get to a billion you'll be 30 years old that's how big of a number that is oh my god so, but you're right that doesn't make me dizzy yeah <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah but that when you think about that you know because you know, people think of you know a billion you, you say one billion they don't they think million whatever but a billion is a huge number. Huge, huge. But the, uh, yeah, and it, if it's you know eleven billion miles away, boy, you said it takes thirty thousand years for it to reach the edge of the the Oort cloud to get Humanity out of the Oort cloud. Might not cloud. even exist. Yeah. But well, they're getting right. That's right. We won't even the planet. Will, but they'll be. Yeah. It, in three hundred years, they'll enter the cloud, and thirty-three thousand mm-hmm. after that, they'll get out of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's. And, and I always say when people feel small compared to the, you know, 
the universe, and let's not even talk about the multiverse, I thought of start thinking about quarks. You know, like with the Large Hadron Collider, the, the how tiny those things are compared to, you know, thinking about an atom compared to an atom, a quark. Oh, yeah, here's, I know. Here's, okay, here's here's it here's, here's what hurt. Here's what somebody. There's so much space between like an electron and a neutron and an atom that if you took, removed all that space, all of humanity would become the size of a sugar cube. All right, stop it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I, it makes See, me insane. Is, that, to me, that stuff is absolutely fascinating. fascinating. Of course it is. Tell us what yeah. you, before we got you into outer space, tell us what you're more earthbound, uh, the reason you called. I'm curious. Oh, you were uh, you were talking about uh, middle middle America. You yeah. Know, and, yeah. You know, now people don't understand them. And, 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 and the first thing that comes to mind is it's, and I think I said this last week or the week before, it's the exact same situation. You were talking about choices, not having a choice. All you got to do is look at the African American community for the last, you know, 150 years. Yeah. <laughs> right. In urban right. settings, it's, it's the same thing. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, once, and I always tell people, you got to communicate these to both groups that you're in the exact same situation. Uh-huh. A perfect example of this is the uh, opioid. Um, yes. Crisis compared to the crack epidemic. Yes. <laughs> the exact same thing. It's just hit, you know, two different communities. And so, it, it, yeah, it was, yeah. And when it's white, we, you know, it, it gets our notice. When it's we black. wring our hands, although yeah. no one's doing much about it there either. Yeah, yeah they're trying. There's some. It, 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 and that's, some what, that's bringing up these two situations and getting those two groups together. You know, things like unions might start coming back. <laughs> you know, things that made the middle class. You right. know, instead of having them uh, at each other's throat or thinking, oh, these people and those people, that's they're, right. they're, they're the same people. Yeah, but see, it's the interest. It's always in the interest of the powerful, both private and public sector, mm-hmm. to keep those divisions, and that's what Republicans are brilliant at because they serve <laughs> corporate interests and they serve that they they gain power by keeping the have-nots at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just classic. Uh, you know, the sad thing is, who might change this? The, min- the millennials. <laughs> I, who, I the hope young, so. Who's the young, the young woman from New York who just got into the Congress? Cortez. Oh yeah. She's something. It's like she takes no mess. Oh. No mess from anybody. No. You know, is it? No. Yeah, and she has, and she has that, that attitude. You know. I think people like that, that that mindset of the millennials, you know, might might change everything, you know, or the direction at least, or at least put brakes on it or something. Well, so. let's hope. But meanwhile, the forty percent are raising their children to be mini me's. So I mean, you still have a whole bunch of yeah. people that age who are just as infected with uh, hate and ignorance. Don't don't you think? Yeah, there were some. I was listening to probably NPR, and they were talking. No, it wasn't NPR. It was a. It was a Sam Harris's um, uh, podcast. Podcast. Yeah. And she, she, she. Yeah. She had a. He had a woman on there who, I think she's she's Muslim, but she was raised in like Finland or something, and educated in Great Britain. But she did a uh, documentary mm-hmm. of like Nazis, and and she went in basically alone. To these groups, she was in Charlottesville with them, but she met one guy, and after a young guy, like in his twenties, he's the guy that got kicked out of college for posting a picture during Charlottesville. She met him; they're now friends. He's now completely changed his attitude because oh. he met a Muslim. Well, <laughs> one know? on one, yeah, <laughs> does work often. One on one, that kind of outreach, yeah, can work. Yeah, and I, th- and I think, and parents could talk all day long. And if if um, you know, Facebook is instead of being a place for uh, places like Facebook for confrontation, changed into something more about you know just learning more about people <laughs> or other groups and cultures and all that stuff. Well, internet itself, I think it, I think it could uh, usurp, if that's the right word, the ideologies stuffed into the brains by their parents. Well, meanwhile, let's look at the two people uh, arrested, uh, I believe, yesterday, both in Ohio. Yeah. A guy, yeah. 21 years old, 
mm-hmm. who was uh, planning an attack on a Toledo synagogue. So inspiring did he find the Pittsburgh Tree of Life massacre. And also in Toledo, and th- they didn't even know each other, a woman named Elizabeth LeCron, who... Mm-hmm has posted uh, stuff online praising these mass murderers. She's a pen pal of Dylan Roofs, the guy who killed all those uh, black people in the I- while mm-hmm. they were praying. Um, wow. So they're still out there, these young still, people. It, 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 yeah. I'm just saying. It, it, it's one of those things, that we're, like we're talking numbers again, like, you know, quarks versus billions. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's two people in Youngstown, Ohio, or whatever in Ohio. But how many millenni- how many hundreds of thousands of millennials don't do that? You yeah. know, I mean, the, the, these people are dangerous. Don't get me wrong, because they get to get the weaponry and kill people. But you also have to think about all the people who are not doing that. That's true. <laughs> at the same time, you know, I mean, how many how many, how many people aren't, or what woman who was thinking like that is now not because she heard something said by somebody else. That kind of thing. All right. That's how I keep my sanity. All right, Pollyanna. (laughs) All right. All right. right. I hope you're right. Talk to you next Tuesday. Up yours. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Suze. Yeah. This will not surprise you. Yes. Um, uh, It is... People are finding out that the people, mo- the most people who smoke marijuana are our age. Oh, I could, I could have told you that. Well, I, I, I mean, could have told was... you that, but I mean, the people are shocked because uh, every time they legalize it for recreational, it's not kids that are coming out; it's, it's old, old gray people. hairs. You know what? And even people who didn't smoke it, like I had a friends over last night. Uh, not two nights ago, and and one of them is now uh, happily heading over to the uh, marijuana dispensary, um, and she said, you know, with her eyes bright, they actually had it on sale. It was five dollars <laughs> off, and she's in her eighties. She's in her eighties, and she was not a pot smoker. She is loving it. And they now have, listen to this, in Laguna Woods in California, uh, so many seniors use medical cannabis that the local dispensary charters a bus to bring residents (laughs) to its Santa Ana location to stock up on supplies, and they give them a catered lunch and a senior's discount. So I'm you know sure. where where busloads of seniors used to be heading off to a casino, they're now heading off to the pot shop. And these are guys that didn't necessarily smoke. People in their 80s, 90s, retired military. Um, well, you know, it's because it has honest to God benefits. Yes, uh-huh. and and it's better. And and the benefits are are. In many cases, uh, superior to what you could get with a with a pharmaceutical, another pharmaceutical that had downsides. That to had it. Few, and it has fewer side effects. But the fact is, is that a lot of the supporting evidence is not necessarily there. So people are sort of on their own. They're trying. Well, maybe this would work on that, but maybe I should try a tincture, or maybe I should just smoke. It's all sort of people are experimenting when they go to these places because there hasn't been research because our government won't allow it. It still says that this is like heroin, a Schedule yeah, well, one drug. They do allow it, but it all, all substance has to come from one little teeny little well, it's, grower. It's, it's just and it's an outrage. Crazy. 33 states now allow it and yet the research there's something in the times about the research is just not there the social support and legislation is outpacing research so serious i mean doctors want to know what works for that as opposed to this and blah 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 and they don't have it they they have anecdotal in you know and of course medicare won't pay for it 
So no, people and the only thing I mean, I'm, the only thing my doctors have ever said is that they prefer that uh, you ingest it as opposed to inhale it. Right, just right for well, I prefer to inhale it. Frankly, we have a caller. <laughs> well, I do too, but that's we, a don't we have a caller? That's yeah, because I like to smoke. Yeah, hello, caller. And I and I don't allow myself. Okay. Uh, hello. Can Hi. you hear me? Yep. 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 Yeah, I've been a long-time listener, first-time caller, as a matter of fact. I listened to you since the days of the, on the uh, 1360 bandwidth. Jeez, uh, wow. Was, well, hi. Yeah, I followed you around, and I, I'm familiar with, uh, Boy, you're familiar old. with you as well. <laughs> uh, so, well I'm 36. You're so, 36? Um, you're young. Oh yeah. oh. I've, been list, I've, been into poli- I've been into politics since uh, April of 2001, so I, I got into it at a, at a younger age in my senior year of high school. A friend of mine from high school got me into it. Huh. I started off as a Republican, and then I uh, kind of gradually opened my eyes to um, where I'm at now, which is uh, – uh, to the left of uh, to the left of Barack Obama, to the left of Barack Obama, maybe uh, in sync with Bernie Sanders. But, uh, Jeez, and another, you know, if <laughs> you call call us back in ten years, and you'll be a Trotskyite. It may be <laughs> very well, but uh, you know, you said what you said earlier because I was doing in and I was in and out of uh, out in front of a TV. I wasn't able to hear the last. 10 or 15 minutes because I was doing errands and whatnot. I've, what you uh, said earlier, like 15 minutes ago, concerning Republicans of the uh, Mitch McConnell, or as I call him, bitch McCockled uh, sort, um, turning on Trump if yeah. they find it feasible to. Yeah. My question to you is, um, and to Susan as well, um, would it be feasible for them to turn on Trump since Trump has more of a cult following than the Republicans have ever had before? I mean, not since Ronald Reagan. Maybe, and that if they turned on Trump, would they not be cutting? Would they not be cutting their own throats? And uh, you know, could we, be, in other words, be looking at the last gasp of a uh, dying party and semblance of, of uh, dying ideology well, mixed in with the yeah. cultist, fascistic elements that are strongly incorporated with this uh, party, horrible human being we have in the White House? Yes, right. Well, that's what you've been seeing. I mean, that's the political calculation they have made thus far. Clearly. And that's and that's what's interesting to watch, whether um, as as the Mueller probe keeps dropping its little pieces and more people keep, you know, keep uh, scaring the crap out of the people that are still there, whether the political calculus changes. I don't think it's going to change until the very last moment. And then hopefully it'll be too late. Well, th- my yes. last follow-up then would be: Is uh, do you think that uh, uh, being that I just revealed myself as being a Bernie supporter, whom I voted for in the primary in 2016, do you think that the neoliberal establishment served as a breeding ground for this uh, for this man Trump to have, uh, you know, dominated the way he has in the last uh, two years? Jeez, where's that coming from? The neoliberal establishment created Trump. You know, like the uh, well, they the, split the, the vote. Corporate, corporate Democratic uh, oh. uh, types who uh, pay fealty to uh, to people like ourselves, while at the same time they are just they have just as much of a vested interest in preserving the status quo as the more established uh, uh-huh. um, right wingers do. Oh man, you're in you know what? Words. You're making my head hurt as much as uh, quarks and uh, is talking about the solar <laughs> system. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of them don't want. For example, a lot of them don't want. Medicare for all or, or single payer. I do. I think you know, I do too. It, in the long term, it would save a bunch. It would save us uh, uh, a shit ton of money, in addition to, uh, of course, being the humane, uh-huh. the, the humane thing to do. In addition right. to, you know, college debt forgiveness and yes, you know, uh, I'm other, for all of that. Yeah. I, for all of that, but um, yeah. The problem is, is that the. I mean, we all know what the obvious thing to do is. It is Medicare for it's. It's some universal policy. The problem with that in this country is that it takes, it kills the insurance business. Uh-huh. And I don't. And which we all think would be grand. I mean, I don't know anyone that's you know for the medical health insurance people anymore. They're they're as, as they're villains. But I don't know how we get a group of politicians to run them out of business. Or if we could go back to the pre-Nixon era where the uh, 
apparently the pre-Nixon era were uh, uh, insurance companies, HMOs and whatnot. They were they were required to be not for profit. You mean yeah? You mean there was regulation? Yeah, regulation. Good God. Yeah. yeah. Imagine I that. Mean, they God were almost, yeah, they were looked at as you know like a public utility that people yeah. you know had a vested interest in their being run appropriately. And no, you shouldn't right. be siphoning off healthcare dollars that are meant for healthcare. Yeah, it, right. one would think it was obvious. Or jacking up prescription medication by three hundred or five thousand right. percentage points over the course of t- a ten-year span. Or by creating scarcity Uh, or deliberately creating scarcity like they're doing with uh, insulin. I mean, I don't understand how this country doesn't have enough insulin. Well, I have to tell you, uh, the caller, too, and I agree, there are too many uh, Democrats uh, who are essentially corporatists. um, Joe Manchin being one of them. Oh, hell yeah. But see, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. You can't, because of the way that we self-segregate, if you have a Democratic Party that is um, unwilling to take in a Joe Manchin who votes with us on some important stuff as well, I mean, then I don't know that we ever can attract a majority, uh, you know, Yeah, we in need the a Senate. plurality is what we if need. If we had... If we had a candidate who actually won the primary, the uh, controversial contested primary, I'm talking about 2016, but you know, in the future, 2020, if someone like Bernie Sanders or Bernie Sanders won the primary and he was actually able to go out onto a national platform in the deep red states like Mississippi and Alabama and say, listen, I understand you people are living in poverty. And then, but uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to uh, remove a tremendous burden of debt off your shoulders, you will no longer be, um, you know, required to pay for your own health care, which you obviously, as of right now, can't afford because you can't afford a decent job with which to pay for it. Well, God Whereas, help. You know, we yeah, have these God. piecemeal Democrats who speak out of both sides of their mouth. Yeah, but listen, you know, listen. As I call them. Stop, so, stop so and think Let of the court. When are you running for office? <laughs> 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 yeah, ah, uh, yeah, ah. Uh. Hey, and no, also, I'm, I'm really serious. You, you, yeah, you, this is this is clearly something that you spend a lot of time thinking about. That you that you're parsing very carefully. That you have a tremendous interest and passion for. Why aren't you running for office? Well, maybe he's I got. I don't think I, I've, I have neither the money nor the connections. Well, the, the connections are easy. You start you start creating them. You start volunteering for other people's campaigns. That's yeah. that's what happens. Start little. You build, you build right. it. Well, I I challenge you. Oh, Susan, you don't know anything Thank about you. his life or what he's doing, so you don't know. No, anything. I don't. No, but it just takes a little seed planting. Uh, Thirty-six. <laughs> uh, just to give you, just to give you a synopsis, you know, thirty-six-year-old, uh, yeah, Caucasian male who uh, you know made made some minor bad decisions as far as as far as debt is concerned, mm-hmm. but you know, I still live with my parents largely because I have to, uh, college graduate saddled with 40 grand in debt. And, uh, you know, look, uh, thankfully I went and got my CDL, a trade. Um, but, uh, you know, if it weren't for that, I, I, I'd be in far worse shape now than I ever was before I even went into school. Well, I think a lot of people could, uh, relate. And, and let me also say, in regard to somebody like a Bernie Sanders guy uh, coming out and, um, you know, gaining that, you know, that pinnacle where he's covered um, in a national election, um, I think the corporatized media. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. No well, I just, okay. So oh, I yeah. just want to say getting that message out will be very difficult when all where people get their information is the corporate media. That's why I don't have a cable box uh, hooked up to my TV anymore. I use my computer and I go on mm-hmm. services like YouTube, yeah. Your Channel, uh, Young Turks, uh, Jimmy Dore Show, you know, those, those, mm-hmm. and Tom Hartman, those, those outlets, mm-hmm. those, are the, those are the sources of information. And I go to the right wing. Even the right wing wants to get a you know a oh, good. counterbalance. No, you should uncompromised right wing outlets, not the commercial Rush Limbaugh kinds. <laughs> Ron well, Paul, for example, you know. 
Okay. Hey, I wish you all the best, and I'm so glad you called after all these yeah. years. Thank you. No problem. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, it's always great to hear a new voice. And, yeah. um, and that sort of gets us, uh, gets us to the end here, I think. Really? Yeah, Susan. It's, cool. it's 10 o'clock your time. It's 11 o'clock my time. And uh, well, I think have that's... a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> and you too, my sister. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. I'm going to drive across town and try and replace my missing car stickers that I thought oh. I would get through the mail because that's easier. But not in Illinois. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, it's one of those little. Annoying stresses. Okay, do it. That's right. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 And thank you all. And um, uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.